0: Just want to jump right into the Word. I want you to turn, if you have your Bible, or look towards the screen. We're going to go to the book of Genesis, and I want to move somewhere today. I going to move from Noah to a different perspective. Well, we've been speaking about Noah for the last couple of weeks. Jesus warned us that it would be like it was in Noah's day on the day of his return. When Jesus returns, it would be like it was in Noah's day. So we've been looking at Noah and uh, we could spend weeks or you could spend so much time because the whole Bible is interconnected, isn't it? In fact, the Bible is so important that we not just look at the pieces, but we look at the pieces in the order they were designed to be in. I was just, the Lord started showing me how the Bible is like a puzzle. If you reach your hand in the box And you pull out a piece, it's not gonna make much sense. Some people say, I don't understand the Bible, because you just don't have the full understanding yet, right? And then you could take all the pieces and you could dump them on the table and see them all at once, and it still doesn't make sense. But they are put together in a particular way that creates a particular picture. And the picture points to Jesus, the entire Bible points to Jesus. And you need to understand who Jesus is to fully understand what Noah was doing. Noah was preserving life. Life had been tainted. It had been twisted. Sin had entered, and then there's some deeper depths for another study that may have happened on the earth at that time. There were some things going on on the earth, and the seed of man needed to be preserved because Christ would one day come from the seed of man, didn't he? And so the whole picture points back to Jesus. It sounds funny that I want to give glory to Jesus today in church. (laughs) But it is funny because you have to go looking for a church that will talk about Jesus today. He is the center of everything. He is the whole purpose. He is the whole meaning. It doesn't make sense without him. And you can have pieces that are truths. Did you know that if you pulled out any one of those pieces, they are valid pieces? Any one of them is a valid piece. It's not an invalid piece to the puzzle just because you don't understand it. But by itself is not the truth. It's a truth, but it's not the capital T, the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. So just because it's a truth, you need to put a truth. And, and I don't want to get off on rabbit trails. I can do that very easily. But we can easily start worshiping a truth. We could have a church under a truth. We could have seven things that we truly believe that are, that are truths are. But without the truth, without Jesus intertwining all of it together, without it pointing back to Him, we need our perspective, and 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 if you've been in the church for a while, you've seen this. I like to say we take the best promises and blessings of the Old Testament, and we wrap them in with the love and the grace of the New Testament and create our own gospel. We forget the hard times, the mistakes, and the judgments but it's all intertwined together to create one picture. At the end of all of it is love. God said that he is love. So that means that all of it, whether we understand it or not, is all pointed towards Christ who is love. Amen. With that stated, let's turn once again, and then I want to move somewhere from here. Genesis chapter 7 says, Noah had prepared. Who knows that the Lord has given us a timeline? The Bible is also a timeline. He said, you don't know the day or the hour, but you will know the season. Who's aware of the season we're in? If it's not the season of Jesus' return, I believe that we are, but that's okay. I can be wrong. We can be wrong in that. It's still a season to be pressing into him, isn't it? That's the season we're in. We should be able to look at the buds and we see at springtime. It's very obvious that it's springtime. If you have been sneezing and rubbing your eyes this week, it's obvious that it's springtime. It's obvious that we are in a season where the Lord is calling us closer. He's calling us in. If you are listening to the Holy Spirit, He's calling you in. And I said last week a statement, come out of the world and come into the ark. And I just want to talk a little bit deeper of what that ark is. And it says here in Genesis 7 that Noah had listened, he followed, he saw the timeline. There was a game plan that God had, had uh, preordained uh, before Noah. And before this day came, before chapter 7, God had a plan, Noah walked in it, he followed God, he trusted God, we could go there again, I don't want to re-preach it, but he just listened blindly, he had never seen rain before, didn't really even fully understand what God was about to do, but was willing to trust God because he understood who God was. He walked with God, and because he walked with God, he was willing to listen to what God said, whether he fully understood what that meant. And so it says in verse 5, Noah did everything. Everybody say out loud, everything. everything. He did everything as the Lord commended him. He didn't do parts. He didn't do portions. He didn't go for 50 years and stop. It's for the entire 100 years of, from when the Lord spoke this till he was 600 years old, from 500 to 600 or somewhere in that time frame, 100, 120 years, he stayed faithful and did everything. And then, verse 9, they entered the boat in pairs male and female, just as God had commanded Noah. They entered the boat verse 13 that very day Noah had gone into the boat with his wife and with his sons and their wives and in verse 16 it says a male and female of each kind he also brought the animals in that's not folklore that was truth just because we don't understand it doesn't mean it didn't happen God could have shrunk them down to microscopic germ sized animals whatever who cares God can do whatever he want I mean when you look it's no less crazy that the planets just float in nowhere why don't we try to figure all this stuff out but we don't worry that the, literally Earth is just floating in what? How does it float in the darkness? What makes it float? But then we got to figure oh, well, I don't believe in Noah's Ark, though. I mean, come on, man. I mean, hello. Like I've said before, if you're a father and you watch the baby come out of your wife, that's enough to say, I believe in the Ark. Because that's crazy, <laughs> and that just happened. Saw it with my own eyes, that happened. <laughs> that's crazy, shouldn't have happened. Then the Lord closed the door behind them. That's where I want to preach from. They went into the ark. Noah left the world, went into God's presence. We talked about that last week. The ark is protection, protection. There's walls there for a reason. God is rigid. It doesn't have to be rigid. You can roam freely inside of those walls. If you want them to be rigid, they'll be rigid. At the end of the day, it's still God's way. You can just say, man, God loves me so much. You could be looking outside and watching the waves and watching the mountains getting covered and say, wow, he loves me so much. Or you could be saying, I'm stuck inside the rigidness of God. Wow. Does that make any sense? It's not rigid, but it is. If you want it to be, then at the end of the day, it is rigid. God's word is his word. If it was open for interpretation, he would have said that, which he did not. But it says that once they went in, that the Lord closed the door behind them. The Bible says, more traditional text says, the Lord shut him in. He shut him in. And this is interesting the Bible doesn't say that Noah went in and then he closed the door behind him. Oh, it's starting to rain. Let me close the door. This was actually a supernatural event. God literally closed the door to this thing. And there's so many implications to, to uh, there's, there's just many, many, many levels to this analogy. There is the we have uh, so many New Testament pictures that Jesus is telling us in the last days. People, they not try to knock on the door after it was too late into the kingdom of heaven. God shut the door. It was a supernatural door. Jesus said, I am the door. Anyone who comes through me will have eternal life. You go through Christ, you go through him, and then God seals you into him. Amen? And we could get, well, I don't want to go that direction, but I just want to state that. Right? There, is that, there is that arc that we need to be in, our eternal security, to be in Christ because you're, there's a flood coming, whether it comes in disaster or whether it just comes with our life just, uh, just ending. I need to keep saying that these weeks. It may just be your life is over, I don't know. But in one way or the other... Each one of us will find an end to this body, to the end of this life, and we need to be inside of the kingdom so that when he closes the door, and many will try to knock and it will be too late, but we'll be in. You'll be in because you made the right decision to listen to God. God warned you, it didn't need to make sense. Certainly the world says it doesn't make sense. And in fact, that's what the Bible tells us. The Bible says that it's foolishness to this world it says that the message of the cross is foolishness to this world it's foolish so it doesn't need to make sense it doesn't need to be it doesn't need to be right here in your mind you don't need to understand it all we just need to be in but there's another in that i want you to t- that i want to talk about and it's in Christ now the lord wants you to be in him he is the ark this picture of the ark goes New Testament. Because it all points to Christ, doesn't it? Right? We just stated that. It points to Christ. So now let's fast forward. We're Christians. It's 2018. Here we are right here, right now. Jesus has already paid the price, has already died, and we've accepted Him. So now let's look at this story from that perspective. Jesus made a way for us. He prepared. He warned. There's life and there's death. An end is coming. Get in me now. Get in me and you'll be saved. Look at the picture. Isn't God amazing? The pictures that he's given us. It's not just a children's story. That's fine. We can teach them in the cute way, but it's also a real life adult story. It's a real life thing that we need to be thinking about. We need to be in. And and that's why we're in this church because we are in him. But he's actually calling us into the depths of his heart. Not just, oh, you know, let me get in because I don't want to die. Let me just come to Christ because I don't want to go to hell. That's acceptable. That door was open. Noah's door was open. Anybody that would have come in just so they wouldn't have died would be acceptable. But the reason that Noah listened, the reason he went in is because he had a relationship with God. That's really what God is offering you. He is offering you eternal life. But that's like the least. Isn't that amazing? Everything in God's kingdom is upside down. Eternal life is the least thing he's offering you. It's him. It's him that he's offering you. It's a life with him. You know, the greatest th- torment in hell will not be the flames or the worm that never dies. It's actually, and I've, we've, whether you believe this or not, that's your choice, but there are many that have, have actually had after death experiences and have come back to preach about it, come back to warn the world about it. And they said the greatest thing that they suffered, that they felt, when the Lord allowed some of them to visit both, heaven and hell, is the lack of God. Him not being there. Even in, a, in this world, whether you accept him or not, you are living in his, this, you know, the devil has a domain over the worldliness But the actual place is still God's. And you are breathing God's oxygen, not the devil's. It's his kingdom. The devil's got a system that we live in and amongst that we are not in anymore, right? We're in this world, the worldliness, but we're not of this world. And yet we're still in God's oxygen. We're breathing. When we see... Uh, We've been laughing because we have pets, but we have animals around our property. We just laugh at how funny animals are, how cute they can be, how they're smart and they think. And when you're watching those things, you are seeing God. He's all around, whether you believe him or not or accept him or not is your choice. But he's in all of that. And that's incredible. And hell is really the absence of God. It's the absence of his presence. It's an unbelievable thing for us to think about. It's very hard. But we should also, we should think about it sometimes. We don't need to think about it often. I actually can't even remember the last time I mentioned hell. I really can't even remember the last time. But it is a reality that we should be aware of. And and if not for your sake, because we are secured, but for our brothers and sisters out there in this world that have not chosen Christ yet. We can't, I'm not asking you to carry an unnecessary burden that's not yours to carry. You cannot save anyone, Jesus saves, but to keep being the light and the message of Christ. And he will then save them through you if they don't choose him that is not your burden, is also not your excuse, right? We're just gonna keep preaching, keep teaching, keep showing people around us the life of Jesus Christ through us. And then the choice is up to them. And that kind of frees you. It's a healthy burden. It's a healthy burden that heaven and hell are real, that life and death are real, but their soul is not my burden, that's the Lord's. He cares about them more than I care about them, so I'm just gonna be truth to them and be light to them and be love to them, but let them make that choice. That was a good tangent. The Lord wants us to come into his heart That's the ark. That's the ark. He wants us to get into his presence. That was what happened when Jesus went to the cross. His blood was shed to give a covering of your sin. But the Bible says that as Jesus was saying it is finished, that an earthquake erupted. Who knows the story? And the Bible says that the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom. Right? Or from bottom to top, whatever. It was torn. It split apart. What was in that place? It was God's presence. God's presence, because of our sin, had to be kept in a holy place. And through Jesus Christ... Jesus' blood became the veil that you can walk through. And as soon as you walk through it, it washes you clean and holy into his presence. You know, you can hang around Jesus and never actually receive him. I have proof because we see the stories. That's not my theory, it's not my opinion. Thousands upon thousands were touched by him. Thousands. And yet, in the upper room, after the cross, only 120 were praying for the Holy Spirit. We have 5,000 men, and then women and children on top of that were fed, right? And 4,000, another story, that's... 9,000 just men alone, who knows what they were as families that were fed by him miraculously. We have the story of the lepers, and he heals them, and only one comes back and says, Thank you. Only one realized what had actually happened in Christ. You can hang around Jesus and never actually receive him. And that is, it's actually, it can be scary if you're living in the world, but if you are a believer, if you are pressing towards him, it's actually just sobering. It's just a reminder for us. It's a reminder that wow, I just need to make sure that my heart is right with him and just keep saying have it all, keep taking it all, keep taking it all, keep taking it all, keep taking it all. The Bible tells us in Matthew, let me see if I have it here, It's been on my heart. Yes, it is. Matthew 25. Matthew 25 tells us about the ten bridesmaids. Just for time, I'll tell you the story. Matthew 25, Jesus is talking about the end, talking about what it's like at the end of a life or his return. You can look at it either way. And it will be like this He said, There's ten women, and, and they're waiting. They're waiting for the groom. He's coming. He's coming. And they all fall asleep, it actually says. Everyone falls asleep. Both those that, it says that there were five that were ready and five that were foolish. Five were, were ready. They had oil in their lamps and five didn't. And then all of a sudden, the alert is coming. He's coming. The end is here. Jesus is coming or your life is coming to an end. And it says that they, they all wake up and they said, they tell those that were wise, give me some of your oil." But there was a time to prepare. You had been warned, been warned and 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 been warned. Who's been warned in your life? If you come to this church, you're warned every week. That's a healthy thing. Come on, let's go to the Bible. You got to forget, get all the opinions, get off Google. This pastor, that pastor, good pastor, love pastor, harsh pastor, hard task master, just get, get off of all that. You've heard it all. Let's just look at the Bible. The Bible says it's healthy. This is Jesus' story. Jesus tells us this, Matthew 25. And then it says, it says verse 10, Matthew 25 verse 10, but while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. So the five foolish said, okay, you know what? I wasted my whole life. I wasted all the time God gave me. I'll just make up for it right now, real quick. And uh, like I said, there was, you know, this is, there, there's multiple levels to this story because I did get to, as I've said before, it's one of the best stories of my life, hold a 90 plus year old man's hand at his deathbed and him, he could, all he could do was squeeze my hand to accept Christ. Couldn't even have the words. Just squeezed an acknowledgement, if you can understand this and this is what you want. But not everyone gets that. Not everyone has that. Just like that. Just like that. Just gone. Gone. And I think that's what the story is here. They're awake and alive. That's, you know, you got to look at Jesus' pictures. We got to peel back and everything is not, you know, black and white. He's saying, if you're going to try to prepare at the end, you may not have time. And that's exactly what happened. You want to try to, they, they all fell asleep, which means the analogy has nothing to do with, um, of even just looking with your eyes. It's a spiritual looking. They all physically fell asleep or even could be said that they all, even the, their falling asleep could be their death. But half of them were ready to go in the kingdom and the other half thought, well now that I've died, that you know, maybe just quickly, you know, I'll, somebody down on earth could be praying and you guys can go there in your minds. People could be praying or maybe I'll pray, we'll get things right. And the Lord's saying it's too late for that. You had time. You all fall asleep. That time is over. I mean, I love the word. Who loves his word? Who loves the sobering of his word? <laughs> it says, then those who were ready went in. See, they went in. Here's that picture again. They went in. The Lord called them in. They were all welcome. Who knows? All ten were welcome. Everyone is welcome It says, later, when the other five, uh, verse 11, later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. If you got something to settle with God, settle it now. Don't even wait for this service to be over. Just settle with him right now. You know, the Lord is so gracious. This is his forgiveness. You ready? I'm going to show you the picture. It's not 10 years of of you learning your lesson and paying a price. It's, Lord, forgive me. And it's a genuine repentance in your heart. And here's the Lord. I already forgave you the moment you opened your mouth. Just like that. The same instant of death is the same instant that God's grace and forgiveness is there for you. If there's something that's not right, don't wait because the Bible tells us that there would be some that thought they had time to get things right and the end came before they realized. It says, so you too must keep watch. You too must keep watch. So the Lord's calling us in though. You know, that's the sobering part and I wanted to read that. It's been on my heart and I actually just had it stuck in there. Didn't know I was going to mention that chunk of scripture today. But it's been in my notes for some weeks, just kind of in there, and it was the Lord's moment today, that's for sure. But the Lord wants something greater. Lord doesn't just want to welcome you into his kingdom, although he would be 100% perfectly satisfied that you made it. He'd rather... You make it in, then not make it in. A parent would rather their child leave the world that they're living in and leave the junk they got into and just come home, whatever state they're in, right? Any parent would accept any child in any state, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been instantaneously, they'd rather have you back home. But even better than that is the child that doesn't go out and do all the stuff that they got to come back from. The Lord, if you are willing, if you will get into him now, will keep you from all that heartache that you would have to then repent from later. It's so quiet in here. Amen? I want you to look at John chapter 15, one of my favorite chunks of Scripture, the whole Bible, because Jesus is talking to us here in such a loving way he loves us so much jesus loves you he paid a price for you he died for your sin he took your place he stood in the gap for you he conquered the devil for you he seated he is seated at the right hand of the father and welcomes you to sit with him in heavenly places it's amazing isn't it the gift that we've been given It says in John chapter 15, verse 1, I am the grapevine, I am the vine, and my father is the gardener. Everybody say the father is the gardener. You're probably just starting to get into your garden, so I think this will be an analogy worth talking about right now. Makes sense to me, I've been out pruning this week, it's not fun actually. I don't mind the task. It's just such a big task. (laughs) But it says in verse 2, he cuts off. Everybody say, he cuts off. He cuts off. off. We'll say it again. He cuts off off. every every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. He cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit. And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit. Either way, God's got the loppers out. <laughs> Either way. Either way, God's cutting. They just they don't, leave, they don't leave his hands. But that's love. You know that. I'm going to get in I'll, for the next few minutes, talk about how that's love, though doesn't seem like it when you're getting cut, but it is love, isn't it? Isn't that the best thing for the plant? Who has gardened before? Who has pruned? And who has watched your pruning job that actually was meant to try to maybe even kill the bush if possible? But all it does is make the thing explode with life. Pruning's healthy. It gives a concentrated chance of all that moisture and nutrients and good stuff in the soil and to get to one particular or less places. So sometimes God's cutting off and you say, why are you cutting all this out of my life? Cutting this and cutting that, there's nothing left of me. The Lord's saying, I'm trying to get you to focus on this one area right now. Those branches, some of them may come back. They'll come back stronger and healthier and some of them will never come back. Some of those I'm gonna keep pruning. That branch is right in the view of my window, and I'm just going to keep pruning that branch. That one's not coming back. Come on, amen. Who knows what I'm talking about? He said, he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they produce even more. Lord's after fruit in our lives. You know the Lord loves the branches, because that's who we are. The Father loves the branches. He loves us. And he's after fruit. I thought, Pastor, he doesn't require anything from us. This is the funny thing about fruit. Who has seen a branch work at bringing fruit out of it? I'm pretty sure the branch just exists. And the DNA that was in the root, that was in the seed, brings something out automatically Unless the branch dies, which we see, or it's going in too many directions at once, then it doesn't produce much fruit, does it? But when we prune, when we concentrate all that life down to one branch or a series of branches or in a shape or position that we want, because we're the gardener and that's our choice. He's the gardener. He can shape or position you in any way he wants because he knows what he wants you to look like. And you think you should be looking like this, He's like, I want you to look like this. He said, you've already been pruned. It says, or the more traditional, you've been purified. You've already been cleaned. And what is it? The pruning, the cleaning, the purification, the cutting by the message I have given you. The words I've spoken. See in Colossians chapter 2, verse 11. Colossians 2, verse 11. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised. Everybody say the word circumcised. All right, that's a cutting away of flesh, of dirty flesh. It says, but not by a physical procedure. It was a supernatural event that happened. It wasn't a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature, the Bible says. God came and cut the sinful nature off of you. God came and cut the sinful nature off of you. And God continues to cut the sinful nature off of us. If I am not willing to give him my sinful nature, if I'm not willing to let him cut it, then the only way left for God is to cut me off completely. The Bible says, he said, a branch that does not bear fruit is cut off. That's the word. That's the Bible. If you don't let him do it, this is his word to you today. Let him cut what he wants to get cut off before he cuts you off. And he doesn't want to cut you off. He said, I didn't want anyone to perish, but all, right? He didn't want anyone to perish. He wanted all to have eternal life. Let him cut off before he cuts you off. It says back in Colossians, verse. 12, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. If you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature, you were dead because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. It wasn't yet cut away. So that means the first thing God does with you is starts cutting. You come to Christ, and the, the preacher sold you, and he said, just come to Christ, it'll be your best life now. And everybody then gets shocked when God takes out the pair of loppers. Starts cutting, 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 cutting. Who's been cut by God? But who has seen the life grow from every one of those cuts? Who has realized that, wow, I didn't need that branch in my life after all. Wow, that branch was actually there to kill me, even. There was, pests, there, was, there was a virus in that branch, and it would have infected all of me if I didn't let him cut it off. Come on. Amen? Amen. You were dead, but now we're alive. How do you come to life? The Lord is the master arborist. So there's masters today, they'll come and they, they put plugs in trees and drill holes and put nutrients and they could bring a tree that's dying back to life, right? These master, these guys, I, my brother-in-law knows these guys, that he literally went to four or five years of college to bring trees back to life. Who knows that God's the master arborist? He knows how to bring dead back to life. First thing he's going to do, he's going to plug some nutrients in, Right? That's the church body, it's the word, spending time with him and then he's gonna start cutting because these things here, these are gone. These aren't, these areas aren't redeemable. The root is, you're redeemable, but these areas gotta go. In order to save the tree, I gotta cut. And if you've been cut down to the stump, (laughs) 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 then what will grow from you? only Christ, only him. That's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. The deeper he cuts, the further he's cut, the more junk he's removed, the more Christ. So don't be upset. Lord, there's nothing left to me. I feel like there's nothing left sometimes. But at John chapter 15, verse 4, he says... You may know it as the word abide. Now this word abide, in verse 4, it starts this theme for the next few verses. Abide in me. The NLT translates it, remain in me. And that's because it's this word meno, M-E-N-O. The Greek word which means to stay. Everybody say to stay. stay. It means it's in a given place, state, relation, or expectancy. You stay in a place, you stay in a state. It says to abide. It says to continue. The word means to dwell. The word means to endure. Everybody say endure. The word means to be present. The word means to remain. It means to stand, to tarry. This word minnow means this is where I live and I'm not moving. I'm going to live here. I'm going to stay here. And that's it. And Jesus says to us in verse 4, remain because you have to. Remain because you don't have a choice. This is a conditional verse. That means that he is warning us that he's telling us to do something that we would, our human nature would be to do the opposite. We've all tried. We don't even realize. We start withdrawing. Who Who has been in this place? Ready? I will prove it to you right now. You don't even need a verse because a verse written on your heart. Ready? I'm going to say this to you and you're going to hear about a thousand Bible verses on your heart at once. Who has felt, I'm far from God. I need to get close to Him. I need to get back to Him. Every one of us. The Holy Spirit, I believe in the Word, so we need need to study this Word and ins and outs of it because it keeps us safe, protects us, part of the ark. But the Holy Spirit... He won't, you won't even need a verse yet. Before he even, when he starts getting to the verses, you've already been withdrawn for a little while. (laughs) The Holy Spirit will come to you and say, getting a little far from me. And what happens? We start drying up. Our fruit, lack of fruit in our lives. You know, the gospel is simple. I love the idea of theology. I just hate all the big words. Jesus never uses any of them. Jesus just speaks so simple. Come on, guys, enough of this, like, 10 years of... I love Bible school, studying the Bible, but 10 years of just... It ends up, you just leave so filled and puffed up with junk and theories and big words. Tom and I were talking about some big words this week. It's like, what do you think about this? I gotta go look it up. I understood the concept. but I don't know those big words. I know the word, I just don't know what the theology is behind it. Jesus is so simple. You stay in him, fruit comes out of you. You start withdrawing from him, you start dying. What a simple gospel. And you don't need a preacher or even the Bible to tell you yet, although it will. Preacher, eventually, the Holy Spirit, starts putting scriptures in your heart, start hearing around you. Preachers will come to you and say, hey, and especially then when someone starts saying in public to you, You've been far a long time. It's all out of love though. Every one of those stages is love. The Holy Spirit comes so gentle and he starts, you know why? He's trying to get life to you. What happens inside the vine and the branch? There's a, you cut open a branch and what happens? Right? The moisture, the sap comes out. The Holy Spirit, know, we go through the word and there's so many pictures, but the Holy Spirit is, is pictured as the water. He is the life. Jesus was the facilitator of life and the Holy Spirit is actually in us. He is the one bringing life from Christ, carries it from Christ. Jesus said, wait and tarry, remain. Wait for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will bring you the life. So Holy Spirit's come tugging. He's like, I can't get in this door. I'm knocking. I'm trying to get in that area in your life. I'm trying to get in and you're not letting me in. And that's what the Holy Spirit does, and we can all identify with that. And we need to let him. That is our choice to let him in. He'll keep knocking until the very last breath you take. God is so faithful. He is so faithful to us. He will never leave us, never abandon us, never forsake us. But he'll keep knocking and knocking and knocking on our door. Remain in me, and I will. This is the amazing promise He doesn't say, I'll remain in you regardless, and then because of that, you'll remain in me. I believe the language of God's word is on purpose. And it says, remain in me, and I will remain in you. And this is so on purpose because Jesus offered his life unconditionally for you and then never forced you to accept him, but offered himself to you. And then you... Shows him. It was already done for you. It's like a present waiting there already wrapped and it says your name on it. It's just you open it and accept it and receive it. So it's his will for us to accept him and then everything in him, he doesn't hold back, does he? God doesn't hold back. The more doors you open to him, the quicker you open to him, the more you let him have you, the, as is as quick as he will take you. There are some people that take 60 years to come to the full revelation of Christ. And you know what? At the end of the day, I just preached on that some weeks ago about the prodigal son. At the end of the day, the Lord loves us all and we're all on a different journey. But if you are willing, who has seen someone get saved and it's like, they just come to these places in God, man, they just, they, they kick the junk and get into a place with God so fast. I'm always I love to see that as a believer. I love seeing someone not take so long. It's fine. Listen, if you've been on a long journey, then so be it. Don't leave the journey. That's the key. Stay. That's what we're saying. Remain. Stay. Might be slower, but I love when as fast as you let the Holy Spirit in is as fast as he will work. You open the door, he's getting in there and he's cleaning house. But what we do is we lock a whole bunch of doors. We say, You can come into my living room, but don't look in my bedroom. It's a little messy in there. That's funny because that's everybody's home. (laughs) It says, verse four, what's that say? For a branch, who's the branch? Who's the branch? We are the branch, for the branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. You cannot produce fruit if you are severed from the vine, and he already talked about the severing. He already said, I'm going to prune you so that I don't have to cut you off completely. So now let's get into that. So how do we do that? How do we let him cut off? Instead of cutting us off, remain in me. Because you cannot be fruitful... Unless you remain in me. And what is the point of that branch connected to the vine? To allow the fruit to come out of it. We could spend weeks on the fruit of the Spirit, right? The fruit of the Spirit, which means, just proves what I was just talking about. If it's the fruit of the Spirit, then what's flowing through the branch to get the fruit out of us? The Spirit. The Spirit is working on you and you must let Him do it. I could say a million things more, so let me just wrap up for today. Verse six, I'll just read through. and a lot of things to fill in. Verse five, rather. I am the vine, you are the branches. He tells us straight up. When, you know, when the Bible repeats things over and over again, sometimes people get mad at preachers because they preach the same thing week after week. Well, let's look at Jesus. Jesus just told us he's the vine, and we're the branches three different times. Maybe he said it again because we weren't listening the first time, two times. You are the branches. Thank you, Lord, that I need to hear things over and over again. And then it clicks. It's starting to click now. Oh, wait. you're Right, you're the vine. I'm the branch. Okay, I get this. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Wow. I love Jesus so much and I love all of Jesus. I don't want to just hang around Him. I want to be in Him, and I want Him to be in me. It says in verse 6, anyone who does not remain. Everybody say it out loud. We're wrapping up. Anyone who does not remain. Whose choice is it to remain? So anyone who does not remain by choice is thrown away like a useless branch and withers and such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned which is the perf- he's giving us a picture of life and hell heaven and hell life and death he's giving us the picture it is not god god doesn't send anyone to hell god never sent one person to hell All we did as humanity was reject his way and his will and his purpose and his love and his grace and his mercy and his favor and et cetera and et cetera and et cetera and and did our own thing. And all we did was put ourselves into a place of deadness. But he doesn't want that for us. He says, verse 7, but if you remain, come on, that's us. Everybody, I will remain. I will Remain. We're going to remain in Him, remain in Jesus. And Jesus says, if you remain in Him, His words remain in you. And you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. God's Word's good. Jesus loves us so much. He said... I'll just read just to these last three verses here. It says, when you produce much fruit, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. Let's get the picture. He's the vine, we're the branch. Produce fruit. Simple gospel. If you don't produce fruit or you're not producing fruit, you're either in the process, that's a different sermon, you got some grace, maybe you're still getting there. Lord's dealing with you or it's time he's going to go he's going to cut just keep letting him cut the junk off it says this brings great glory to my father it's all ultimately about god and about him isn't it we let the fruit come out of us whose fruit is it is it your fruit <laughs> it's his fruit and you get to be the branch you get to be the carrier of the nutrients to a bud that brings forth fruit. That's incredible. The, full, the real gospel is not Jesus or, you know, God, you owe me. When you start knowing Christ in this way, John chapter 15, you stop asking God, demanding God. When it comes to the verse we just read about asking him for anything, you're not asking him for Ferraris anymore. You're asking him for your brothers and your sisters. You're asking him, Lord, touch my heart. Lord, I want to know you greater. You start asking him the prayers that we see the greats in the word. It's very little self and a whole bunch of God stuff starts coming out of their mouth. He says this brings great glory to my Father. I've loved you even as the Father loved me. Remain in my love. In verse 10, when you obey my commandments. He tells us how. How do you remain? And this is this is the last verse. How do you remain? Everybody say it out loud. How do you remain? He tells us how. I already told you the Holy Spirit. We know it. Without even a verse, you already know. You can feel it in your spirit. We're spirit beings. You know, and the Holy Spirit starts saying, I need to work on that area. I need to get that out of you. I'm trying to get to you. And the word will say the same exact thing. But before the word is even spoken, you can feel the spirit of God touching your spirit. I love that. I love when he touches me, He starts pricking me. But he said, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain. You remain by obeying my commandments. You remain excuse me. <clears throat> you remain by obeying my commandments. You remain by obeying that was just the devil. You just gotta try to mess this moment up. Closing moment. Watch me not care. You ready? You remain in my love. I mean, what is this? Am I trying to show off? I don't care. So what? When you obey my commandments, you're not going to stop this from being said, devil. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain. Jesus said it straight, and he said, just as I. Look it, he doesn't ask us to do anything that he didn't do. Just as I just in case you didn't realize I'm the son of God, you know, have a throne that sits above the world and I obey my father's commandments and remain in his love. Wow. Who feels the Holy Spirit touching you right now? I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. When it becomes not a command, but because I just want to be obedient. That's what Jesus showed me. And that's what I want to do. There's a joy. It starts filling your heart. It's actually filling me right now. It's filling us right now. Let's stand and let's just give him praise. Lord, we thank you. We just glorify you. We're just going to do it as a church. You just, you know what? I don't ever make you repeat after me. It's usually an in heart thing. You can keep it in your heart, but just pray these words of me. Jesus, I give you my life. And I keep giving you my life. And tomorrow morning when I wake up, I'm going to give you my life again because your word says it's a relationship. It's a choice to remain. And I want to remain. I want life in me. And I want life to flow through me. And I want to bring you glory by your fruit coming through me